welcome to More Than Abstract. I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Zachariah. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you for asking, buddy. So have you seen the movie Imitation Game? No, I'm not great with pop culture, unfortunately. Oh, that's okay. It's actually this really nice movie where it talks about the encryption that was done by the British and Allied side against the Germans. It was. It's a really great movie, like showing the... Hmm. Uh, the beginnings of how the first computer w- was made for this purpose. Wasn't there, there's this device that I, that's like this, it was on the show. And I don't know if that has anything to do with computers at all, but they, that's how they sent encrypted messages. Is, is that what we're talking about? I will be talking about that. So I, I guess just stay tuned and listen to it. Oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. I was initially go- uh, going to talk about encryption and cryptology as a whole, but that would take about an hour to explain all the topics with the attention that they deserve. And that ends up running into the problem that uh, a problem of being boring. So instead of uh, that, I'm just going to talk about early encryption methods and how people were, were able to crack them with a bit of clever math and, well, the first computers. Hey, I think you're super exciting. <laughs> if it goes well, uh, I might uh, expand on this topic a bit more. But yeah. Well, you know me. I love to hear about this stuff. Um, yeah. It's always fun to expand your horizons on things you don't really understand. It's it's surprising just how well encryption is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll get into that a little later. Uh, before we talk about computers, mm-hmm. we need to touch on the basics behind what an encrypted message really is. And good thing is, it's not very complicated. You say that now, but okay, all right. No, don't worry. Don't worry. It's not complicated. Um, <laughs> So are, are you familiar with some of the older encryption methods like the Caesar cipher? Not at all. Okay, that's perfectly fine. It's a very simple one where the idea behind this is somebody makes a key where if someone wants to write a message using this key, they just need to replace the words in their message with another mm. corresponding letter. Okay. So I can have a key that says every time you see the letter A, that actually means the letter M, and B's or T's, and so on and so forth. Gosh, that's confusing enough already. It's a little confusing, but if you have the key right next to you just being like, all right, an A is an M, a B is a T, then it's Mm -hmm. easy to just say, okay, I'm going to turn this encrypted message into uh, something legible. Sure, sure. And you'd often get gibberish as these encrypted messages, but if you have this key, it made something. This way, it doesn't really matter if the message is intercepted by someone. So like, say, someone riding on a horse from Rome needs to go to Gaul and deliver some message. It doesn't really matter if they get intercepted and it, it, because the, the people who would read it uh, w- would only see gibberish. Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, wouldn't it be a little obvious, though, that they know you're using English? I mean, I'm sure they have some people that are pretty fluent. So at the time when Caesar used this, people weren't very literate. Oh, this is like Julius Caesar. Yeah, Julius Caesar. Ah, okay. So that's what the Caesarian means. That's why I said Gaul instead of France. (laughs) (laughs) I see. People weren't very literate. And if they saw something in gibberish, even if it were in Latin, they might think, oh, it's a different language. I, I don't understand this. This reminds me of something kind of secret that maybe I shouldn't say, but I can trust you and anybody who's listening. But... Because my family is multilingual, so for example, we know uh, Mandarin Chinese, and we know um, Arabic. So if I want to put in a password, and I put it in a separate book, I can write like if it's an you know a password you type and it's numbers, I just write the numbers down maybe in Chinese script, 
and then it tra translate that and then put my password in. So that way, if anybody finds my book, nobody's going to know. Yeah, yeah. The, they, they may just think, oh, man, he's just scribbling some nonsense. He's going crazy. Exactly. It kind of it reminds me of how we, we do that and we think, oh, we're pretty smart. You know, nobody's going to know this many, <laughs> many languages, right? To decode yeah. our messages. I guess it's now a bit harder now that Google Translate has that to read from lang uh, the written language button. Gosh, it's cheating. <laughs> it's cheating. It almost, you know, it sometimes get things right with Chinese and Arabic, but it really depends. Like if it's from a native speaker, usually it can come off pretty nicely because I can like say something in Arabic to it. But as soon as I try to um, write something grammatically correct, you tend to flip, I believe it's the verb and the subject. So it comes out as gibberish, like we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. The computer doesn't really know too much about how you should form a sentence or whether something is an expression of some kind. Oh, yeah, like it can it can translate. It's just like it, it's not in order. Mm -hmm. So so these Caesar ciphers, this is in a time when there weren't computers of any kind. That sounds so cool. Yeah, cracking these keys requires someone to sit uh, and sit around thinking all right what happens if i replace the a's with m's and b's with t's and then maybe they'll get a coherent message but they'll most likely not get anything good that would take me a really long time to do for sure right you're reversing everything in your brain it's like this double think yeah it's, it's very tough for just people to do ah just people but the th this was a like a medieval type of cryptology cryptography what Caesar actually did was he shifted the alphabet by a few letters. So A's would be a, a D, a B would be an E, and so on and so forth. And it was like a really easy key. Like you, you, didn't, you just had to go through 26 different possible keys, and then you would have it. Okay. It's not the most safe, but people mm. were not aware of this kind of uh, encryption. And I mean, if people aren't literate, it's more likely they're not educated in well, good luck, you know, ever figuring it out. There are various other methods, but the main idea behind them is that you need, you just need to, to read the message in a specific way the writer and reader agree to. So, you know, a general mm -hmm. and Caesar might come together and be like, here's our encryption method. Here's how we're going to go with it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Hmm. It's, it's kind of like the method uh, you might be familiar with this, where the first letter of each sentence is its own message. That's that's one I think that is pretty neat and people might have heard of. And this reminds you of something they did in Death Note, where uh, there's, a, a bit of, there's a letter, but the first letter of every single sentence spelled out another hidden message, and it was just taunting one of the characters in the anime. Yeah, that, that's it. That's, that's one of the encryption methods. I'm not going to go over each one just because there's too many of them, and mm -hmm. it's not very interesting. But I, I will talk about the encryption during the Second World War. That definitely seems to take a lot of patience. And personally, I, it's during World War. I mean, I, I, I understand yeah. why it took so long to... I think that they were breaking the Nazi encryption method for sending messages, yeah. right? Yeah, stakes were really high. And people were pretty smart at that time. In, in the years leading up to the war, uh, an, an increasing emphasis would, was put on fast and maneuverable forces rather than just having more people and more guns on one side and throwing them at the enemy. Yeah, like a Blitzkrieg or something in German, that's, right? Yeah, that's the next sentence. It was called Blitzkrieg. <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm taking the words out of your mouth. I'm like a girlfriend or something. Oh, yeah. Do you have my script? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. If a unit were so fast that it's this maneuverable, then it can't lay down more telegraph wire 
uh, down to communicate with command. So how will they know if they're in danger or have new orders and need to go somewhere else? Uh, well, that's where radio communication is invaluable. But mm -hmm. the problem with that, you see, with wired communication, people need direct lines of access to mm -hmm. the wire to intercept a message. But with radio communication, it's designed so that any moron with an antenna can hear what you're saying. It's kind of like how walkie-talkies, right? You are at a certain frequency, and so long as you're at that frequency, you can hear stuff. Yeah, yeah, like a walkie-talkie, or like a like a radio in in a way. I don't know if that's like the same concept with super big walkie-talkies, but that's that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of, th of thinking about it. But that whole thing of everyone can hear is a solid no-go. Uh, <laughs> there's got to be a better way. If you haven't guessed yet, it's it's got to do with encryption of your of messages. But it can't be something like the Caesar cipher. At this time, people were actually literate and couldn't and you couldn't count on them being ignorant. And people kind of expected sensitive information to be encrypted. So it's not going to be an easy job. Definitely not. So that's where the uh, this machine uh, that you were alluding to, uh, Enigma, comes in. Oh, yeah. Sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, the British actually had another version called Ultra, and then the Americans had one called Magic. Oh, this is like in the DC universe where the, one of the magicians speaks backward sentences. It's magic. Oh, oh no. That kind of creeped me out. But, <laughs> but to, to anyone that hasn't heard of this machine, it's, it's basically this, this box that is supposed to scramble the alphabet to encrypt some message that you put in. So it's like what we talked about. Okay. But now it was all a bunch of gears and plug boards that act as settings to this machine itself. So all you need to do is um, someone beforehand on that day, uh, just tell someone beforehand on this day, use these settings for this machine and wait for orders through the radio. The operator gets a message, has no idea what it says because it's encrypted, mm -hmm. but puts the same message through this machine with the correct settings in place and all of a sudden it makes sense. Hmm. So it sounds like the issue is having the know-how of which settings are what. That That's exactly it. Which key should you use? It's the same thing, mm -hmm. but instead of writing it down, which alphabet uh, letter goes to which thing, it's this machine. Now, people use Enigma because you could have 159 quintillion different settings in it. Uh-huh. 159 quintillion different keys to go through so this is uh five sets of three zeros right am i counting this right um it's so that's ones thousands millions billions trillions quadrillions quintillions this is disgusting six sets oh so i'm off see i never had to count this high before <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy high but it's 67 bits so only three bits more than the computers we use. Hmm. What What is exactly a, a bit? <laughs> a bit mm -hmm. is... So if you were to say two to the n, so, uh, n is the number of bits. So two to the 67 mm -hmm. is 159 quintillion. You know, two to the 67 sounds too small. I, I like our, our one quintillion. <laughs> yeah, one quintillion. So this machine is really good because... If someone does crack the code, they deserve it. <laughs> Sounds like it. Or if you do what the British did, you build the first computer to crack the code. But they didn't do it alone. We didn't have computers until then? No, we, uh, we didn't. Uh, 
So like the the idea of this is this might be an episode on its own, but the idea behind computers was mathematically formulated before this, but people never really decided to put wires together and logic gates to actually make a computer. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, we kind of have to thank World War Two then for this for the computer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if I would personally think it, but yeah, maybe. I mean, that's that's kind of a common theme throughout history, right? Though, I mean war pushing technological advancement pushing things that were not meant for anything but hurting people and turning into something that's really convenient and nice yeah it's true i guess people didn't really have a reason to decrypt messages until now but they didn't do this alone uh actually poland had a cipher bureau and it was able to figure out the inner workings behind enigma uh, without actually having the machine itself several years before the war even started so, uh, so once they joined the Allies, these people made invaluable contributions to the decryption effort, but it sure wasn't easy. The settings for Enigma were changed every day. So you were, if you were able to crack the key today out of those 159 quintillion settings, it won't work tomorrow. Ridiculous. I mean, that, you could do that forever. You'd just die trying to figure it out. That's, that was the feeling behind many of the cryptographers at that time. <laughs> So, but, so it was a tough nut to crack. But that's where the first computer comes in to help. People are pretty slow at figuring out the right settings because you, you, know, you have a bunch of people in a room going through each setting of the machine, seeing if they got the right key each time, often returning with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it wasn't all random. The code breakers tried to exploit repetition and other common uses of certain words. Someone might start the sentence with the word to in German, and they they tried to use that uh, the best they could to crack some of these codes. You know, I can't help but how intelligent this is by the German side. I mean, even if you manage to get an Enigma machine, right? Because first you have to grab one or re recreate it, which is ridiculous. Even if you get it, it's... <laughs> it's because this is a very dynamic situation there's very little likelihood you crack the code yeah it, it was very hard in fact the military command at this time were almost convinced that nobody could crack it so they they used it willy-nilly uh ended up being <laughs> a bit um lenient with their uh, protocols with how to use it but it was pretty safe oh okay <laughs> i'll take your word for it but a, but a computer can do all this settings checking key checking to an extent. At the time, they called it a bomb, a B-O-M-B-E, not an explosion. <laughs> and it didn't really crack the code on its own. Uh, it just narrowed down the list of possible settings from 159 quintillion and something more manageable. Man, it must have felt quite shocking or even explosive to finally get the <laughs> right answer. I'm sure it was. Sorry, I think, I think that pun blew. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Little did you know I did that on purpose. It was it was pretty hard to make one of these. Just think, instead of typing code and, and cracking it that way, mm -hmm. you have to make you have to specifically wire it such that a given message the pulses through the wire and the and, and the gates that these wires go through mm -hmm. would give you something useful. That's insane to just think how the first computers were made and used. So not to pry, but also to pry. Uh, so then, could you just go into the German alphabet? And then, I don't know, if it's like anything like English, there's 25, 26 letters or so. And I don't know how that turns into a quintillion. I mean, what's this 60 to the 67? Or is that just an example? So you, you don't understand how... I see what you mean. 
Does, does that make sense? Like if you say have a sample space of three letters in, and you're looking at English, for example, and you do like 25 combinate three, that's how I'm looking at this situation with German. And I'm wondering, you know, do they just do that with words? Because there's such a huge lexicon to draw from. I, I wonder how that mm -hmm. actually works. I, th I think what it is, so it's more the 159 quintillion comes from the way that the machine is designed. So it has these gears attached to it mm -hmm. and then these settings that you put in. If you put them in this setting, then it'll be this rotation of the gear. That is where the quintillion comes from. Okay, that makes more sense. I was trying to relate it to the earlier part of the conversation, but it seems it's a bit more mm -hmm. technological than what I was yeah. imagining. Well, I, I don't blame you. This was um, relatively new and pretty complicated. So, so with that, the first computers were used for decryption. Of course, today we have a pretty solid encryption protocol to protect our data being sent wirelessly. So much so that if people were to try and decrypt one of these messages with the best computers around today, mm -hmm. it would take longer than the age of the solar system with current encryption methods. Whoa, man. Okay, so this is seeming even less likely that we actually figured it out, but please. <laughs> Uh, sorry, did I say that again? Oh, it just seems, it, it seems even less likely how we figured it out. I mean, with as powerful our computers are today, taking that long to de-encrypt something, I'm eager to you figure out. decrypting modern uh, encryption protocols? Uh, if I mean, yeah, if we're using a modern computer, doing something, uh, using a modern decryption protocol on the Enigma back then, is that, am I understanding that correctly? That it would still Oh, take... no, I switched gears a little bit. So I'm talking about our current encryption. So say you were talking to your bank or something. Oh. If someone wanted to hijack the airwaves, it would take longer than the age of the universe with the best computers today, or sorry, age of the solar system with the best computers today to decrypt that. Oh, okay. You're talking about today. Yes. Okay. Today. So you might then ask, if things are so safe, why do we hear stories of people getting hacked? Well, that's more often because somebody might pretend to be you or exploiting some loopholes in security protocols rather than uh, just hijacking the airwaves. Oh, yeah, slight tangent. I, I had seen a YouTube video. Obviously, I see it on YouTube. It's very reliable. But I just saw it's really easy to, you know, impersonate somebody. And you're, say you have somebody's email, and, you know, some most are, like, pretty simple, right? Last name, dot, first name, gmail.com. And then you just say, hey, uh, customer service, I forgot my password, and you provide... So long as you have some sort of identifying information, it seems pretty, I'm not going to say easy, but it seems like there, there's a method to the madness of getting somebody's personal information. Yeah, yeah. For regular people, usually you just can't get hacked by either getting your password fished or, you know, what you said. So those are usually the ways that hackers get a hold of your data rather than decrypting messages that are sent through the air. A little bit less cool, but still respect it. Yeah, less cool, still respected. Maybe we're going to make a second bomb that um, oh. you know decrypts <laughs> these kinds of things. The decrypting <laughs> the, bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, I guess what you touch on is um, is essentially that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And well, those uh, loopholes are the weak link here, not the actual encryption. Couldn't have put it better myself. So I won't go into the details of this. It's too complicated, too boring. <laughs> I guess if people like encryption, uh, then I might think about making a second version of modern encryption methods. Um, I bet he'll do it for a thousand retweets on Twitter. <laughs> oh, no. 
No, and it's it's more like if people actually care. <laughs> so that's all I have for you. What do you think? That was super cool. I definitely learned something today. I assume that uh, whenever you you have a new encryption method now with just uh, making a little key in the margins, just being like, all right, instead of just writing Arabic and Chinese in in, the, in intermittently, I'm just gonna encrypt that too. I'll have to think extra hard about this, but. You know, yeah. I'll co- I'll come to you next time with, and you will help figure out a uh, a key for you, and it will have our own little language. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. Uh, tell us what you think about it, and tell a friend about it. And for supplementary content, follow us on Twitter at More Abstract. Go follow him, and you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts. <laughs>